0: That was written by Peter Mayer, who is an amazing singer, songwriter, and guitarist. Um, He lives in Michigan. And he went to Catholic seminary. He was a very, very devout Catholic who thought he would go into the priesthood. And then his mind didn't reject that, but opened, expanded to something larger. And isn't that all, what we all hope for is that what we regard as holy and good expands to include everything, everything. And if we believe, as we say we do, that there is one God and that God is one with us and everything, then everything is holy now, not later. We may not understand it now in our human condition, but everything is holy now. And I'm well aware that there are places that I could get burned as a heretic for saying that. And that's what I want to talk about uh, today is the fundamental problem, which is not a problem of fundamentals. It's a problem of fundamentalists. And um, I know from which I speak because I was raised in a very fundamentalist um, church where I was given really good stuff. I was told God loved me. And I was given some other stuff not as helpful. I was told God was judging me and just waiting for me to make a mistake so he could send me to the fiery furnace. Or that's the way I heard it anyway. That God loves you until the point that it's your last chance and that's over. So. Let's start off by talking about fundamentalist religion. I like to define things. Religion is defined by Webster as a set of organized beliefs, practices, and systems that most often relate to the belief and worship of a controlling force, such as a personal God or another supernatural being. Um, I think we could just leave it as relate to the belief of a It doesn't have to relate to a belief of a particular force or definitely a being. But any practice that you engage in that touches your spirit and joins you to others, things that separate us, that's not true religion, I would say. The things that join us. The things that help us find our, com, our commonality, and that it's difficult to refine divine religion. Um, either it's too vague and it's too wide open, and anybody that does anything can call it a religion. you know, chocolate could be a re- religion. <laughs> um, or it's so narrow that we're constantly leaving people out where you're not the true religion and you're not the true religion and you're not the true religion. Only I and the select few of my friends and family and not all of them (laughs) are the true religion. So fundamentals, let's talk about that. It means the central or primary rules on which something is based. So what's wrong with fundamentals? Usually nothing. I mean, fundamentals are fundamental. (laughs) They're the thing, the idea on which we base what we do. The problem is when we pick and choose what our fundamentals are and ignore what our heart tells us the fundamentals are. And we have picked and choose, or more accurately, we have allowed Thousands of years, generations and generations and generations of mostly men decide what the fundamentals are and decide which ones to give priority and credence to and decide how those have to be practiced or worshipped all of it is about a system of keeping some people out. So here's the ism of fundamentalism. It's the belief in the original form of a religion without accepting new information. Strict, literal interpretation to st- scripture, dogma, ideology. Two, here's the important thing, in order to distinguish one's in-group and out-group. That is the, how it plays out today, whether that was the original meaning of the word or not, how it plays out today is we want to look at these things so we can decide who is with us and who against us, who's out there. And so what happens is that we have religions today whose rules, suggestions, dogma, doctrine, whatever you want to call them, were developed originally in order to help people have an experience of their spirit. And that was lost, and now the rules are there for the rules' sake only. We stopped asking why we do this. Why we do this. And then we just do it. And then when other people don't do it, we go, aha, you're out. And we made God in that image we made a God that says, yes, some people are in, but most of them are out. That puts us in a very exclusive club. And we like feeling special. And I'm here to tell you that you are special like everyone else who has ever lived or ever will lived. We're all special in our uniqueness. So rules for rules sake, why? I believe that's based on fear of change. What if we do a different thing and a different thing happens after that? And because those rules help us develop hierarchies of who is in charge, who has the power, then if we change those rules, perhaps the result might be that who has the power is not who has the power anymore. We don't want that to happen, so we're gonna keep things the way they are. And, Apart from discriminating and dehumanizing outgroups, the most dangerous aspect today of religious fundamentalism manifests itself in violent intolerance. Because here's the deal about an outgroup. The moment you other someone else, you dehumanize them to a certain degree. And the more you other and other and other, the more you separate yourself from that, oh, I'm not them, whoa, I'm not them, the easier it becomes to treat them as less than human, i.e. slavery in the United States of America, the land of the free, the home of the brave. The only way that we could enslave human beings make them work for us for free, have the power of life and death over them, was that we othered them. We othered them to the extent that we could believe that they weren't really human and that the Bible which we worship, this fundamental thing, I'm saying we as a collective, mostly um, American thing that was going on, when when slavery abounded, this idea that, well, they're, they're on the outs anyway. They're not who God was talking about. They weren't originally created in love like we were. That's how Hitler did it. That's how everybody does it. That's how everybody does it. The only way you can be cruel to another is to dehumanize the other. So I want to read this as a definition of fundamentalist theory or othering. It's the belief that only select individuals closely connected to the true meaning of the faith can prevent its imminent destruction or disappearance. A group that believes it must band together to defend its religious traditions against the threats, both internal and external, to its religion. However, the problem is it doesn't just defend it becomes and requires an active participation in fighting against those who would seek to destroy the faith, involving sacred approval for those actions. These characteristics can arise as a response to an interfaith shift or societal change that signals the end of important traditions. Whew, and what do we get from this? We get people who are militant, mobilized, who have defensive reactions to modernity and to science, and we get jihad, and we get inquisition, and we get crusades, and we get even the Buddhists have wars, y'all. Did you know that? You would think not, but they do. Buddhist wars, we get wars in Ireland based upon who's a Catholic and who's a Protestant. We even have Sikh wars, Sikhs versus native tribes. The native tribes, have warred with each other for millennia. So it's this idea of us those within our system and theming those outside, and then we can abuse. So the first thing that has to happen in order to know what your fundamental is, because the fun- that doesn't change the definition of the word. The fundamental is what you base your life on. So, Often the fundamental on which we base our lives or the fundamentals are unconscious fundamentals. And we say, I would never believe in that. And yet what we, th- what we think and what we speak and what we do and the way we act comes from our unconscious belief. So the idea here is to take all that stuff and just make it conscious. Make it conscious so that you can make a decision. And then here's the thing, there are are facts and there is truth. And that's what's happened particularly in um, the people of the book, okay? That would be Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. That we are no longer, the, the fundamentals of those is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. The fundamental of Islam is there is one true religion and everyone already has it in his or her own heart. And they don't need anybody to teach them. Did you know that was the fundamental idea of Islam? The Fundamental idea of Christendom, I would say, was Jesus who said, love one another. And yet we have stopped looking at the fundamentals and we have started worshiping a book a book that is hundreds, thousands of years old, dead in every way, dead because we are too scared to add to it or take from it. Because someone, somewhere back there, some man, sorry guys, some man, some group of men got together and said, you know, this needs to be the final word because otherwise these people are just going to run them up. We will not have any control at all. So here's the final word. Can you imagine if the final word in science had been 2,000 years ago? If the final word in medicine had been in 1900? If the final word in anything was in the past rather than a living, evolving present? That's what happens. That's what fundamentalism is. And so, was the flood a fact? Did the whole world end up underwater and only be saved because one boat with the pairs of everything, which we now know to be billions of species that we know about and countless unknowns, millions that we know about, at least billions that we know are there but haven't even identified yet right they're all on a boat did that happen is that fact i would say that anyone living in 20th century would say that is not a fact it doesn't bear up under our way of thinking now And yet, is there truth in that? Is there truth there? Yeah, there's a lot of truth. There's the truth that sometimes things just get so bad that it's better to scrap it all and start over again. You ever had a moment like that in your life? Yeah. And that's the fundamental truth of Noah and the ark one of the fundamental truths. So we don't have to scrap everything. We have to look at it with the eyes of the intelligence that we have today. And the intelligence that we have today is cosmic. The intelligence that we have today is a group intelligence. It's a human race intelligence that we have evolved up to now and that will continue to evolve. So um, divorce, it is wrong to get a divorce. You have left God, and you are no longer worthy to be a child of God because you got a divorce. Is that a fact? I'm already going to hell anyway, so (laughs) might as well add that. But but here's the thing. When that was written, marriage was not what we call marriage now. It wasn't about two people who love each other pledging their lives to each other and then going through the real, actual changes that happen in the world and within us. Our own growth. And sometimes we grow separately. And sometimes it seems like one didn't grow at all. (laughs) And sometimes we grow together. And that is about devotion, yes, but it's also a lot about good fortune. It's about skillfulness, too. Divorce, when this was written, was a way for women to not have to prostitute themselves. Actually, it was just prostituting on a smaller level. Because women were not allowed to work or own property, the only thing they could do to make a living if they did not have a husband or a father who took care of them was to end up prostituting themselves. Because although the men say that is wrong, they're the ones that go there and pay for that. It's a rigged system, get it? So to divorce a woman meant that you left her out on the streets with nothing. Which is why it's like, no, you can't do that. And these weird things that are in the Bible, like, okay, if your brother dies, you have to marry his wife. That sounds weird. Until you understand that if your brother dies, your wife, his wife is out there on the streets until you bring her into your family. Now, how you do that is up to you and your own conscience. And you can guess how it was done in many ways. But still, that was the idea. It was a political thing. It's still a political thing. It's a political thing that says, who gets to be official and who doesn't get to be official. And if you're official, here's what the corporations have to do for you. And if you're unofficial, here's what everybody gets to ignore. Thus, the problem with gay marriage is, oh, there's a lot of people out there who are, aren't getting privileges, and maybe if they get some of the privileges that we have, there'll be less to go around. Let's stop them right now. It's fear, y'all. And I don't fear in those ways, but I fear in a million ways. And I have to ask myself, what decisions are, are my fears leading me to? because it's not my job to solve everybody else's fears and it's not my job to point fingers. It's my job to understand what motivates me and what is mine. So here's some fact versus truth. You'll put your eye out. How many of you played with a BB gun? How many of you set off firecrackers? How many of you got your eye put out? Right? It is not a fact, but it points to a truth. Many, many children in the United States today are harmed, and eye injury is the number one harm, by BB guns. So your mom wasn't lying, but she wasn't presenting a fact. She was presenting a truth that lived within her heart, which was based on her, not just her fear, but her good wishes for your ongoing health. They'll stick that way. I've been doing this for years. One time I did a six week run of six shows a week with one eye crossed, that was my character, and they did not stick that way. So there you go. Is there any truth in that at all? Probably not. It wasn't a fact and it's also kind of not the truth other than that it probably freaked your mom out when you crossed your eyes at her. <clears throat> so. I love, for many reasons, I love Dr. Martin Luther King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. One reason for which is that when asked, is the Bible true? Do you believe? Because they wanted to put him on the spot. Come on now. Because they knew that would alienate him, not only from his own people, but from the people who were trying to keep, they would give ammunition to the people who were trying to keep his people down. If he said, no, no, it's made up stories. Duh. He didn't say that. What he said was, there are many truths in the Bible. Mm. I can get on board with that. I can get on board with that. There may even be a few facts here and there. But there are many, many truths. And that's enough. What our ancestors knew is that these were teaching stories. They were used to hearing stories in order to teach morals, in order to teach... Um, what's acceptable in, within a particular community in order to teach children right from wrong. And yes, in order to keep everybody herded together so that no one was too much of a problem. That's what they were for, and they were understood as that. And what has happened really since, yeah, it just depends, there are some people who, of, of many religions who still believe that there is that it's all fact, and there are those who, Absolutely understand that it's a story and most Christian religions forget that the Jews knew that they were being told stories. And Jesus was a Jew talking to Jews. He was telling the story and we didn't all get that. So here's the thing about literalism. Because the deal is, uh, what's one of the definitions of fundamentalism is this idea of taking um, whatever the book is, literally, a, a literal interpretation of scripture. Well, first of all, there's so much problem with who decided there was scripture, it was called scripture, but then the literalness of it. The thing about it is literalism doesn't work because there are contradictions galore. And so in order to be literal, you have to shut off your brain, which as far as I know was given to me by the creator. And I was probably meant to use it the same way my feet and legs were given to me and my arms were. I was meant to use what I have. I was meant to use my voice. I was meant to use my love. I was meant to use my hugs and my conviction. Everything that's a part of me, I'm meant to use. Jesus said that in his parable of the talents. You're meant to use it. Don't put it away. What if that was the interpretation that you were given a brain and you decided to bury it so that it was the same when the master came back and nothing had changed? Whereas the good servants took that brain and put it to work and came back with, look at all this I learned. Ooh, there's a possible interpretation that is not literal, but that makes sense. That makes actual sense. It doesn't work, and the, one of the reasons it doesn't work is that despite the contradictions, we can shut off parts of our brains, but then we also have to fill in the blanks. This is what humans do. We make assumptions, we hear one thing, and then we hear another thing, and there's no way that those two things are related. Mm. So we fill in the blanks. We make up our own stories about how we got from here to here. Thus, the creation stories that we studied earlier in the year, that they're actually two completely separate creation stories. But when they were put in the Bible, the last verse of the first creation story became the first verse of the second creation story. So so you'd think they were the same story. And they weren't. They were written at different times by different people. It just doesn't work because when we fill in the blanks, we are often wrong. And even when we're right... Eventually, if we don't adjust to new information, we will be wrong. Scripture is like a Rorschach test. You get a blot, and your brain will determine what it means to you. And those with a literal brain will be dying to try to make it look representational of something that exists in the world, and it will cause lots of tension. And those who have a less literal brain will just like, oh, here's what came to my mind when I, when I saw that. It's our Rorschach test. I could go on and on, but unclean animals, pigs, they were literally unclean because they lived in filth and they ate filth. They ate carrion, they ate feces. And so in order to protect the tribes of Israel, they were said, you know, let's just not fool with that stuff. It's too messy. There's too much danger in there. Did they know about trichinosis? No, they did not. Did they know about bacterial infections? No, they did not. They just knew that when they ate a lot of pigs and brought pigs with them where they went and walked in the pig excrement, that they got sick. That's what they knew. Maybe. Maybe. And so here are the fundamentals that I want to hold to, that I hope I do, that I remind myself of, that I want to remind myself of, and to remind you of today. Um, Well, I'm going to go to the the fundamentals of the religions that we talked about last week. One I already shared. There is one primordial religion which existed from the beginning of humanity, and it's already inside everybody. That's Islam. The fundamental idea of Christianity is love thy neighbor as thyself. Not different, same. The fundamental idea of Judaism was to heal the world. Chosen not because we're special, but chosen because we know there's one God, and so we have the ability to hear, to heal the world. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Buddhism. Hmm, the fundamental of Buddhism is you are your only problem and you are your only solution. So where's war in that if you are your only problem? Hinduism. We're all already in God. We live in Brahman. We make our home there and we're all on a journey to get there, not because we're not there, but because we don't know that we're there. That's the fundamental idea is to bring it on home is the fundamental of Hinduism. Um, indigenous tribes all over the world separately without talking to each other and no text messaging came up with this idea that we are one with all of nature, that I'm not separate from the earth which feeds me and holds me up, that I am not separate from the air, which allows me to be alive, that I am not separate from the water that flows through my body and flows through this earth. We are one. We have gotten so sophisticated that we feel like the earth is just something we're living on for a while. Uh, We are probably going to (laughs) learn different. The fundamental idea of Sikhism is that we are here to serve one another. Jesus said that too. If you you love me, if you want to show you love me, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. We are here to serve one another. We feed one another. We defend the oppressed and protect the oppressed. And even in Taoism or Confucianism, this idea that there is a balance, that we are not one or the other, that we are both and. We are human and divine. So oneness, no one is the other. That is our fundamental here. At church of one love we don't always live it perfectly lord knows but it is what we hold as sacred and true and we remind ourselves of it at least weekly hopefully daily and even hourly and momently two no harm that we're not here to do harm that we must have compassion for every single creature because we are one peace nonviolence. If we see our brother as ourselves, how can we do violence to him? If our sister is us, how can we be violent to her? Service, feed my sheep. The golden rule, love your neighbor as yourself. And again, this idea of balance, human and divine, we're not one or the other. We are divine, having a human experience, which feels real, real. And we're neither, we have um, organs that assign us a sex, but we are neither all the way, male, female. We both have aspects of both in us at all times. And so does God as we are one with God. God has no parts, no girl parts, no boy parts, except that God has all the parts that all of us have. And so we live in balance with that. That's what we believe here. Thank you. So we're gonna take that in two. Hopefully a short meditation, because I talked a long time. Imagine that, y'all. So let's just take a deep breath, and as we breathe, bring into our conscious awareness that we are one with that breath. As we feel the chair on which we are sitting, as we feel our feet on the floor, we understand that we are not separate from this earth that holds us up. We are not separate from the gravity that helps us to feel the earth supporting us. And as we take that oneness as our truth, we can expand it outward to hold those we love, those we know, those that we're comfortable with. Ah, yeah, come on into the circle. Because the circle has a center but no defined edge. So it's not just those we're comfortable with. Once we get there, we have to go, and, and there's more. Because if I am, you are. If we're one, if he is, I am. And so we have a hub of a circle, but we have no circumference. It is unlimited, it is infinite, it is everyone who ever lived or ever will live. It is rocks and trees. It is water, it is air, it is the sky, it is the sun, it is the earth, it is the galaxies. We are all interdependent at a very factual level, and at the level of truth, we are one. And when we know we are one, we deal with the world in peace non-violence in word or deed or even thought and that begins with us because we speak words of violence to ourselves words of non-acceptance And so when we speak only words of peace to ourselves, then it will be much easier to speak words of peace to those around us, those we love, and those that we have not yet learned how to love because we will learn how to love when peace lives in our hearts. and as we know that truth our circle widens and widens which means those that we feed those that we embrace are legion in number as i love myself i love my neighbor There is a fact. The measure with which we reject parts of ourselves is exactly the measure with which we reject other beings. And so we bring it on home. We are one. We're already there in God, and yet we're finding our way because somehow we've forgotten that we're here. And along that way, we are our only problem. And yay, that means the solution lies right here within us, not somewhere else, not some other time, not some other place, not in some other ism. But right here in the heart, that is the place where we find our balance, that is the place where we know our oneness in the heart. We are all the same. And when we can accept these as truth, really as fact, we are one living organism. way gets easier and easier and the more we recognize we're already home as Daniel's song goes I'm already there I'm already home I'm already safe in my eternal soul that is the truth of me that is the truth of you I declare it to be so and I give grateful thanks for that truth and say amen.